Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 40, and today we are talking about books released on February 9th, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi. I am in the Midwest, so I don't have my fancy microphone if I don't sound quite as exciting. You say you are. Yeah. I have no You don't know. Pics or it didn't happen. You don't know where I am. You even took a picture with your parents' dog, which looks exactly like your dog. So I think you could just be lying. (laughs) I know. My parents' dog is like one and a half times the size of my dog. But there are basset hounds in all of the important locations of my life. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. It's a nice way to travel. Yes. Always a rental hound around. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Your first title this week is very intriguing, so I want to get right to it. Okay. I actually, I mentioned it um, at the Book Riot Live podcast, like I was reading it then. Um, That was the episode where I talked about cleaning up after your dad, and this is about (laughs) cleaning up after your dad in sort of a different way. Yeah, that whole whole podcast is like, I think I blacked out for it. I don't have any idea what we said. Well, here you go. I will tell you again about this book because it's so fascinating and amazing. Uh, it is called My Father the Pornographer by Chris Ofut. I don't actually know how to pronounce his name, so I'm hoping that's it. It's O-F-F-U-T-T. I'm very sorry, Chris, if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, this book is amazing. If you gave it to me without telling me what it was, I would think it was like a Pat Conroy novel or a John Irving novel. It's huh. so weird, and but it's actually true. So Chris is a writer. He wrote for some TV shows and... He grew up in Kentucky. His father was a writer, and his father wrote pornography. His father was this larger-than-life character, just amazing. Like, literally, like, he was obese. He didn't leave the house, ever. He lived in Kentucky with his mom, with Chris's mom, not with his dad's mom, with his (laughs) wife. And he just had, he was, like, a brute, and he had these routines, and and he drank a lot, and he got angry very quickly, and he liked to argue, and he was just, everyone had stories about, like, what a character he was. Um, and he dies, and now he had sent a will to Chris, like, many years before that, a special will, a secret will that none of his other siblings or anyone else in the family got to see, saying, you know, if I die, here's where all the pornography is. And then he was like, also, please don't die before me because then I'm going to have to come to your house and try to find this before someone else does. But so he has to travel to Kentucky after his father dies and and take care of this. His father wrote was like a prolific writer, just wrote novel after novel after novel of pornography. Um, That's how he made his living. Like he just sat in his chair and, and wrote these books like day in and day out. He didn't do anything around the house. Like, did not clean. He said he never saw the man change a light bulb. Whoa. Chris's mom did everything. She took care of the kids, which he, he really wasn't all that interested into the kids. He had these very strict routines where, like, you couldn't interrupt him between these hours. And even after the kids grew up and moved out, it was like you couldn't call between these hours. Um, he was just so fascinating. 
And Chris is sort of like reflecting in this memoir about what it's like to go and, you know, take care of these things now that his father is gone. And they didn't have a, a, a great relationship. It was very contentious for like the last decade before he died. And it's it's amazing. It's It's so crazy. And his mother, I'm fascinated by. Like, here's this woman who lived with this man who never left his room. For 50 years, like for 50 years, they lived in this relationship where she did all the all the housework, took care of the kids, did all this stuff. And like seemingly like she worshipped the man, according to Chris, like right up to the end. Like he would call the house to talk to his mom and his dad would get on the phone like and listen in and then butt in if like they said something that he didn't agree with. And then he and his mom would start having conversations and like Chris would just hang up the phone because they forgot that he was there. <laughs> and like she just she thought he was so interesting and so smart and... There's this amazing part um, after he dies where she's out shopping to get flowers to plant for the spring. And she realizes that she can pick the color that she wants now because she always got this other color that his dad wanted. Oh, And wow. you're just like, oh. But I'm just, I'm just like, how could you, how could you live like that? I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. But it's so interesting. And he's a great writer. It's, it's not a very long book. It's, it's really worth the time I just it'll be a movie like before you know it I'm sure um and again it is called My Father the Pornographer by Chris Ophit that just sound really fascinating just the way people negotiate their relationships is so interesting yeah um my first pick does not have a smooth segue at all from that so I'll just jump into it um I just learned about this book recently I wish that it had been on my radar longer so that I could, I could have been talking about it for longer uh, but our colleague Jen Northington read it and recommended it to me it's called Incarceration Nations A Journey to Justice in Prisons Around the World by Baz Dreisinger um Dreisinger is an English professor and she works with the Prison to College Pipeline at John Jay College in New York um which is focused on taking prison Prisoners and introducing them after their release from prison into a college environment and keeping them on a new path in life and ultimately preventing uh, recidivism. But she became really fascinated with essentially what is a prison for and what do prisons around the world look like and what might other options be? Because America is the world's largest jailer. We have 2.3 million people imprisoned. That's about one in every hundred. Um, comparatively, we have 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prison population. Um, it's very staggering. Um, and there are more black people in American prisons today than were enslaved in 1850, which is just staggering. Um, so in, in this book, Incarceration Nations, she documents spending a year traveling around to nine different parts of the world, looking at their prison systems and seeing what their focuses are. Um, in America, our prison system is very focused on essentially revenge and punishment, on punishing the perpetrator of a crime. And we talk about rehabilitation, but we don't really do a very good job of it at all. But she travels to some countries where reconciliation and retribution are the focus, where um, it's not so much about doing something to the perpetrator as it is about making the victim's family whole again, um, and the role that the perpetrator has to have in that, whether it's in paying fines or in sitting across the table from a victim or a victim's family and apologizing, uh, in owning their responsibility for their actions and in trying to, you know, ultimately become better people and more responsible citizens. And she looks at some systems that are really focused on making those kinds of changes so that perpetrators, uh, so that criminals can return to their communities and live 
side by side with the, their victims or the families of their former victims and you know, ultimately experience forgiveness. Um, and then other systems that have a lot of programs that you know, do things like uh, give prisoners arts courses or writing courses or focus on religion, but that are available only to a certain small group of prisoners. And she asks whether those programs might ultimately be band-aids on a problem that do more harm than good by distracting from the greater problem. It's very, it's really fascinating, um, very sort of fairly examined from all of the different angles of her experience going into these prisons from the base of the experience that she has working with prisoners in the U.S. It's very accessible. It's not, you know, like highfalutin or theory based. If you're interested in prison reform, if you think of, if you're thinking about race in America and how that is tied to our bonkers uh, prison system, it's definitely worth a read. And just so, so fascinating to think about how um, one of America's biggest exports has been the modern industrial prison complex and how Americans created that and then other cities and countries around the world adopted it and how it has affected societies worldwide. Um, really a, an interesting and an important thing to think about. Um, she asks questions that I had never considered before and raises issues in in new lights. Uh, it's, it's an important book and uh, again, like super accessible, really fascinating to read and will give you, you know, lots of interesting questions to ask yourself and the people that you have dinner conversations with about the things that you're reading. Uh, so again, that's Incarceration Nations, A Journey to Justice in Prisons Around the World by Baz Dreisinger. Nice. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and then in the vein of continuing, like not to really have smooth segues to things, we'll just go to our first sponsor. Right on. This week. <laughs> um, is, it, is it bumpy? It's like a bumpy <laughs> intro. They, it's lovely lady lumps. <laughs> right. <laughs> is that what those are? Uh, uh, that's what they tell me. Uh, so third love is back. We love Woo-hoo. third, <laughs> third they love. They support us in more than one way. <laughs> Yes, they do. Um, Third Love's 24-7 t-shirt bra, I said last week, and I continue to stand by it, is the most comfortable bra that I've ever had. Um, It's smoothing. It disappears under your outfits. As Liberty has mentioned on many episodes, the cups are made out of memory foam but are not padded. Um, But it, it learns your shape and molds to it. So you imprint on your bra and your bra imprints on you. Um, The hook and eye area is tagless and it's foam padded. um, And the band across the back is very smoothing. You don't get weird like, you know, back fat side boob issues. Uh, The fit is really wonderful. And I'm now 100% committed to my third love bra because the ultimate test for me is wearing a bra while I'm traveling. And like, can I carry a bunch of bags? And can I go through security? And can I sit in a crowded, probably sweaty airplane for a while and feel good about my bra at the end of the day? And so third love has now passed that test for me. Um, it's so comfortable. My slaps, I had on a, I had a big shoulder bag and a backpack. My straps didn't slip. Nothing fell out of my bra when I leaned over to pick things up and there's no gaping or slipping. It's so great. Um, I'm super, super happy with my third love bra. I know that you're happy with yours too. (laughs) Yes. I continue to love it. (laughs) We're, We're besties. 
we are it's like i you know besties. i'm this weird like but busty besties yeah <laughs> that's a different podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i absolutely love it it's so comfortable i can't say that enough i cannot say how comfortable it is the bras that i've been wearing are so uncomfortable i hate them and I would go without, but I can't because I can't leave the house or it would be like an overshow where it's like, and you get a black eye and you get a black <laughs> eye and you get a black eye. So I have to wear one. But this is so comfortable. I can't even believe it. I love I love going out in it because I don't feel like murdering everyone. It's not being squeezed <laughs> underneath my clothes. So, yeah, it's, it's so good. I'm definitely I'm thinking about getting another one. Yeah, like, real I think- soon that I've had like a sort of conversion experience with my third love bra. Like now I want to evangelize it. Like I'm visiting my parents this week and I was standing in the kitchen talking to my mom the other night. And before I knew it, I was like, I mean, she's my mom. So I don't have anything she hasn't seen a million times before. And I was like, before I knew it, I was like unzipping my hoodie and pulling my shirt up and being like, mom, look at this bra. It's so great. (laughs) It's the bra you always wanted for me. I finally got it. Uh, If you want to experience the magic of third love, you can because they stand behind their products so much that they are going to let all the books listeners try it for free. You get a 30-day trial offer for just $1 that you pay for shipping. So you go to thirdlove.com slash books to get started. Um, You can use their online fit specialist to help you find the perfect fit. And if you have not been sized for a bra at a good place that's not Victoria's Secret in the last six months, I recommend that you do this online fit specialist, you know, to know your accurate size before you get your free trial bra. So you pay the $1 for shipping. They're going to send you your third love bra. You wear it for 30 days. You can take the tags off. You can wear it on a trip. You can wash it. You do all the things that you would do with a bra that you had already decided to commit to. If you love it, you keep it and they'll charge your card for the price of the bra. So you can check that out at thirdlove.com also. If you don't love it, you send it back for free and your card does not get charged. Or if you've got the wrong size, you send it back for free and you order a new size and you go from there. Really excellent. We've heard from a bunch of y'all who have tried this um, and you're having great experiences. So you don't just have to take uh, mine and Liberty's word for it, even though we would not steer you wrong or lie to you about something as important as bras. Um, So go to thirdlove.com slash books to get started and get your free 30-day trial offer going now. Woohoo! Yes. We're going to talk about bras until the cows come home. I was thinking, like, I'm going to get a couple more, and then what could I do with my old bras? And I was thinking they probably need large containers to carry water to Flint, Michigan right now. So (laughs) I could donate those. (laughs) So any other ideas would be helpful, too. Did I lose you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, while you're laughing, I'm going to tell you about my next pick. Please do. Okay. It's called Private Citizens by Tony Tulatimuti. Oh, I practice saying his name and I don't know if I can say it now. It's Tulatimuti. Um, it's spelled T-U-L-A-T-H-I-M-U-T-T-E. And it's a fabulous uh, paperback original um, coming out from William Morrow, which is really a searing send-up of millennials and millennials in the aughts and this country in general um, it's based around four people who went to uh, Stanford together, and now they all live in San Francisco, and their lives are all falling apart. They're in their early 20s, and they're just a mess. Um, there's Corey, who works at a nonprofit, and her boss dies and leaves her at the company, and she doesn't know what to do with it. And she lives, like, she's very green. She lives in, like, a, a converted 
sort of warehouse space with people who like are dumpster divers and fruititarians and like all those crazy hippies and it's she doesn't know what to do with them or if this is what she wants. Um, there's Will who is the rich friend and he doesn't really do much except cash in on like his uh, rental spaces and he st- he watches so much porn and collects so much porn that he starts making his own porn movies out of the porn that he has like splicing and cutting and that's how he spends his time. Um, there's Linda who is a hot mess. She's a drug addict and she's moved away and she went to rehab and and that didn't work and now she basically like sleeps with people to get drugs and places to live and goes from like one couch to the other and then there's Henrik who's a hypochondriac he just takes pills for everything all the time so that like some parts of him are swollen and bloated because of the pills and other parts are very tiny and he's just all misshapen and it's like I said they're a mess and it's it's so funny like I laughed out loud so hard I think I laughed like on the first page he said that San Francisco is basically a they might be giant song set in concrete and that made me laugh really hard and I just kept going from there it's, he likes it's a cutting satire like he says some really incredible things um it's being compared a lot to David Foster Wallace and I don't really feel comfortable like agreeing with that comparison because I've only read Infinite Jest and that was a long time ago but for you David Foster Wallace fans that is the word on the street um, and again, it is called Private Citizens by Tony Tula Timoti. Yeah, I got no segue again. So we're just going to roll segue lists, I guess. Okay. Uh, my next pick is called Ways to Disappear by Idra Novi. It is a debut novel. So continue that. We should just be making a list already for big debut novels of the year. Um, and it's one of the Barnes and Noble Discover picks for the first part of 2016. A great little novel. It's about a novelist named uh, Beatriz Yagoda. She is a famous or at least like elusive and infamous Brazilian writer. And one day she climbs into a tree in her town in Brazil and then disappears. Like people see her. She walks to this park where old men are playing. I think they're playing chess and she climbs into a tree and then no one really sees her again. She climbs into the tree and she opens a book and people look at her and are like, that's so weird. Why is this novelist sitting in a tree reading a book? Um, And then they go back to doing what they're doing and then no one sees her again and people don't know what has happened to her. Um, Her American translator, Emma, is living this, you know, sort of like normal settled life in Philadelphia. She has a fiance, maybe he's a boyfriend, maybe they're talking about getting engaged. They're definitely talking about whether they should plan a wedding and when they want to have kids, they go on long runs together. He's very predictable and settled and she knows that she should really like feel committed to him, but she's pretty bored. Um, So Emma finds out that her author has gone missing and she goes to Brazil to help Um, for as long as she's been working with this uh, writer. She's taken a trip every year to spend time with her and to work on their translations. And so she feels, you know, committed to, uh, to Beatriz Yagoda's family and she wants to help find her, but also she's just drawn to the opportunity to get away. Um, So she goes to help investigate and she goes a little out of her mind. She sort of falls for um, Beatriz's hot son, Marcus, and they have a little bit of a fling amidst like the steam and the heat of Brazil while they're looking for Beatriz. And it turns out that she has disappeared because she has 
crazy high gambling debts and a loan shark is after her. And ultimately the loan shark uh, comes to Emma and comes to Beatriz's uh, son and daughter and wants to collect on money and makes the kinds of threats that loan sharks make. And so they get involved in some seedy dark dealings. Um, and also at the same time, we get to see where Beatriz has gone. Um, her son and daughter and Emma don't know, but we, the readers, get to find out and see like all of these characters moving around, sort of trying to locate or evade each other. The writing is beautiful. It's very creative. The book is structured in an interesting way where you have chapters of narrative, but you also get like little interstitial pieces that are um, things that look like a page out of a dictionary that are the kind of thing that a translator might refer to. And then we get little um, blips of what was reported on the local radio station in Brazil about Beatriz's disappearance. So it's not a straight point A to point B narrative. Um, I really like books that are structured in an unusual way, but it's not so unusual that you don't know what's happening. Um, the story itself is very straightforward and just a delight. I was really, uh, just really delighted by the time that I spent in the book. I loved uh, Idranovi's voice. I'm really interested in what she might do next. There's this interesting kind of European feel to the story, um, despite it's being set in South America. The writer has lived all over the world. And um, it's it was just a really fun read. I was happy to discover this new writer. So uh, it's called Ways to Disappear by Idra Novi. It also has a beautiful cover. It does. The cover is really striking, um, which I had also like this book had not really been on my radar. And then it came in the mail a couple of weeks ago. And the first thing was like, oh, that's a lovely cover. What is that? And I started looking into it. I was like, oh, interesting. Um, so you also get like little tidbits about what it's like to be a translator and, you know, sort of the strange life of international writers. Overall, just a really fun read. Private Citizens also has a really beautiful cover. And I just realized that I didn't actually finish my thoughts on it. Like, oh, I, well, no, I mean, I don't really know what I would say, but I was just kind of, forgive me, I didn't sleep last night. So I was just kind of like, <laughs> here are these people in this book. Okay. So... <laughs> But yeah, okay. It is really good and you should read it. But this is a book that I, I have read. I, I didn't mean to explain like like people are like, what do they do? It's like, oh that no, that's just them. That's it. This <laughs> I don't know. Like like I said, I didn't sleep. I was just sitting here going, oh, did I say that they actually did anything? <laughs> no, I did not. Anyway, you'll just have to read it and find out. Um so the next book that I'm going to read and no, I'm going to read, see, I told you I didn't sleep. The next book I'm gonna talk about, uh, and I'm totally gonna botch her name. I have no idea how to say it. It's called The Heart. And it's by Maïs de Karangal. It, I hope that's how you say her name. It is so beautiful and sad and amazing. And I think everyone's going to run out and get this book because it's so good. It sounds so cool. It is 24 hours in the like life of a heart. It's like a heart that starts out in a young man named Simon. And mm -hmm. he's in an accident. And he ends up at the hospital. And he dies. And so now his heart is being transplanted into a woman who is dying. And you just follow these 24 hours, but it's so gorgeous and sad. And have you ever seen, have you seen Sherlock with Benedict, that version? I watched the first series of it. It's like not my flavor, but I have seen it. Well, it's like, so he does this thing where he walks into a room and he looks at somebody and you see all these little words pop up, like, you know, cat, yes, yeah. cat owner and, you know, mm -hmm. left-handed and all that stuff. Well, it's kind of like reading that because as the heart sort of moves around and comes in contact with these people, like, not literally, but like people that are surrounded, what's going on. 
it's like, you know, then there's that nurse who, you know, her hair is a little rumpled because she ran into an old lover last night and she stayed up late and all this stuff. And there's like all these little details about all these people like surrounding like what's going on in this hospital and in the ICU and, you know, and with his with Simon's mom and then with the people um, who get the heart, that family. And it's it's amazing. It's like this circulatory system of of story like revolving around this heart it's so incredible and it has these long like seductive paragraphs um which you know some run-on paragraphs are not great these are not run-on paragraphs these are just like gorgeous like explanations and and descriptions and i just absolutely loved it it's a very small book uh, with another beautiful cover and it's it's so so wonderful i i again i see this as a movie someday like it's 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 really pretty so Again, it is called The Heart by Maiste Keringal. I'm totally sold. That oh, it's so wonderful. good. You know, and so I got it in the mail and it was gorgeous. So I'm like, I'm just going to read this. I'm, you know, I'm not going to even read anything about it. So I started reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it. And I, I was so, I was like, what's going to happen? What's, what is this about? What's going on? Like, as I started, I'm like, and I was like trying not to read the description on the back. So I, I fought the urge and then I get to the end and it's like, it's about 24 hours in the story of this heart. I'm like, well, obviously. <laughs> like, I didn't learn anything from the back that I didn't know just from reading the book. I'm like, all right, that's cool. That works. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it didn't have to have a setup because you're basically, like, in it and that's it, you know? Yeah. So, it's really cool. Uh, so, our next sponsor this week is Descent by Tim Johnston. This is a novel that's out in paperback now. I talked about it, I think, like a month or yes. so ago when it came Speaking out of paperback. Sad. <laughs> I know. We both read and enjoyed it. Um, so, I'm glad that they're here as a sponsor this week. It's about the Cortland family who are taking one last summer vacation before their daughter starts college uh, in the hopes that the beautiful Rocky Mountains will somehow repair the parents' marriage. Uh, but then the kids, Caitlin and her brother, go out for a run one morning and she does not come home. Uh, so the family's world comes apart. And um, Caitlin's disappearance is the beginning of the family's harrowing journey down increasingly divergent and lonely paths until really all that is holding them together is the question that they can never quite bring themselves to ask, which is at what point do you stop searching? And also at what point will a girl stop fighting for her life? Um, the police have basically given up the search for her, but the family are still looking. And we as readers get to find out ultimately what happened that morning uh, that she went running and that she disappeared where she has been, who has been responsible for it. And then will she get away? And if so, how harrowing is the word for it. I remember oh, reading, so reading the book in basically one sitting and like holding my breath. Um, there are some just terrifying passages. Yeah. Um, it's not a horror story. This is a real literary suspense novel. Um, and one of those cases where the writing is just as stellar as the storytelling. I think, you know, often when you talk about genre, people assume that like plot is, um, plot takes over the space that writing would take or that like if the plot is the primary focus of a book, then the writing doesn't have to be good or isn't as good. And that's often not true. It's just a weird stereotype that readers have about genre. But especially with respect to Descent, you get excellent writing and a really excellent, compelling, like keep turning the pages until you know what's going to happen kind of story. 
Um, it's it would be great for book clubs if you're looking for that. It's excellent for cold winter you know weekends when you just want something that you can curl up with and that will keep you going even if it scares your socks off at the same time. Uh, so that is again Descent by Tim Johnston. It's out in paperback now, and we will have a link in the show notes, or you can find it wherever books are sold. So thanks to them and to the good folks at Algonquin uh, for sponsoring this week. Thank you. Woo. Okay, so my next pick is one that I have just started. I, you know, try to read all of the books for this show called All the Books, but we're recording four days early this week because my travel schedule is weird. So my reading schedule has been a little, you know, not on track. Um, so I have started this book. I'm really enjoying it so far. It's called Jam on the Vine by LaShonda Catrice Barnett. Um, it's about a black journalist named Ivo Williams at the start of the 20th century, basically like early 1900s and up to about 1919. Um, she has family in the deep South, and then she flees the Jim Crow South and settles in Kansas City, which is where I am this week. So it has felt, uh, it's felt Whoa. very timely to be reading that. I love it when that happens. Yeah. Um, and Kansas City has such an interesting history of race, um, especially right around the Civil War and just after. So early, early 20th century is a fascinating time in this part of the country's history because Kansas City has parts of the city in both Kansas, which was a free state, and Missouri, which was a slave state. Um, so it's just like super interesting to learn about the Civil War history here. And you would love it, Liberty. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, but so Jam on the Vine is about Iva Williams, and uh, she has fleed the Jim Crow South. She settled in Kansas City, and she becomes a newspaper woman. She and a former lover of hers, who's also a woman, found in this story the first female African-American-run newspaper, and it's called Jam on the Vine. Um, and the story is inspired by Ida B. Wells, who was a real-life Black newspaper woman. Um, I have a weird thing like a, a weird not prejudice but a weird readerly just like opposite of appreciation for novels that fictionalize real people and present them as the real people like the stuff like um loving frank about frank lloyd wright i just can't do it like i can read a biography of a real person um, and i can read fiction inspired by a real person which this is um, so i'm really glad it's not a novel of ida b wells but that these are characters drawn from whole cloth with like real life pieces of other people backing them up that's really working for me this book is out in paperback this week as well um, I, it just eluded my radar when it came out in hardcover last year so i was really happy when it showed up on my door step um, in the paperback edition a couple of weeks ago. And just, you know, a really fortunate thing to be reading it while I'm in Kansas City. Um, but a cool thing to think about this, you know, history of journalism and about the way that we cover race in the country and the different steps and struggles that um, African Americans have gone through to have their uh, to have their voices heard and then to have their own publications that present the African American experience and how different it is from that the dominant voice of white Americans and the stories that get told. Really an interesting thing also to be thinking about during an election year. Um, so the novel is Jam on the Vine by LaShonda Catrice Barnett. It's out in paperback this week. I highly recommend based on my early experiences with it. I don't think it's going to get bad though. So I feel good saying yes, pick this book up. <laughs> awesome. I don't, yeah. I don't know that you've read this still, but I'm going to talk about it again quickly. Um, Ida also makes an appearance in, uh, Alice and Freda Forever, the nonfiction book by Alexis Coe that I mentioned several episodes ago, I think, about the woman who murdered her lover in public. And the shocking thing wasn't that she murdered her, but that, you know, she had a female lover. It, like, took place 
in the South, like a long time ago. And Ida is a journalist who goes to cover it. It's like, it's a true story. Like it really happened. Um, it's going to be a movie. Very excited. I love that book so much. I could just talk about it all the time. Awesome. What's next so. for you? Okay. So I have not finished this book. Um, I like you. I, I read all the books for this and as well. I can't, oh my God, I can't talk. I read all the books for this and for our newsletter. And I, I wasn't like really feeling a couple of the books that I read. So this morning I decided I wanted to like try something else because I had heard great things about the next book I'm going to talk about. It's called These Vicious Masks by Taryn Shanker and Kelly Zekas. And just in the first like 50 pages that I read, it was so much more entertaining than the other two books that I had kind of kicking around. So um, I would much rather talk about that. It, mostly because it's pitched as Jane Austen meets X-Men. <laughs> Sold. So, yeah. It's so funny. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad that I picked this up. It takes place in England in 1882, and there's a young woman named Evelyn, and she's miserable. Her mother wants her to get married. She's taking her to these parties to, like, present her to suitors, and she hates it. And she has a younger sister named Rose, who is the beautiful one that everybody loves and fawns over and everybody wants to marry. And they seem to have this special ability, like they seem to be able to heal people, but they don't really think anything of it until this one day when Rose goes missing and the mysterious stranger is like, oh, well, you guys have these healing powers, you know. And so, you know, Evelyn teams up with the flirtatious Mr. Kent, who I absolutely love. They have the best dialogue together, as well as the mysterious stranger, Mr. Braddock. Uh, to go and find Rose. There, everybody wants to find her because everybody has people who are ill or sick and, and you know want to use Rose for their, their own means. And it's hilarious. It's like, I can't get over how funny it is. So I'm really excited to get back to it after I take a nap. <laughs> after we're done the show, obviously I need a nap. Um, and again, it's called These Vicious Masks by Taryn Shanker and Kelly Zekas. I'm going to have to give that a try. I don't really love Jane Austen, but I'm willing to try Jane Austen with an X-Men edge. Oh, it's so much fun. It's I, I love it. It reminds me a little bit of Gail uh, Carringer. Mm, okay. She, do, she does like the parasol mystery vampire zombie werewolf. I don't know. can't think of all the <laughs> adjectives right now. That's fun. My last pick this week is a paperback shout out to a book and author that we both love. It's Get in Trouble, uh, short stories by Kelly Wink. Woo-woo! Yeah, I think I maybe... hail the queen. Oh my gosh. I could not believe that I had not read her before Get in Trouble because you love her so much and have talked about her books so many times in our life of friendship <laughs> together. I finally did it. I read Get in Trouble. I Loved it when I read it last year. Um, if you you know have not read Kelly Link or you've just been waiting for Get in Trouble to be out in paperback, it's out now, and it rings all those bells that I love of you know weird kind of dark, twisty, potentially creepy short stories. And some of them are grounded just enough in our world to be you know to kind of see this world, but with a bunch of different twists. Uh, there, each one is its own whole universe, and they're just so great. Uh, There's one about a girl who has met a guy on the internet and she goes to meet him and they're at a, they're at a convention for like superheroes that are looking for sidekicks. And there's also just like a normal dentist's convention that's happening there at the same time. Um, There are sort of magical stories. A, A girl gets like tapped basically by this mysterious magical house nearby to be the person who cares for it and gets gifts from the house. Um, it's The stories are also strange and like surreal that it's really difficult to describe them and not sound like a crazy person. 
Um, but they're so, they're so good. And she brings all these strange things to life so well. It made, it really did make me want to go read her entire backlist, like just in one giant gulp. So I can't recommend Get in Trouble enough. Um, and if I think also that would be interesting for book clubs, people say a lot of times to me like that they don't think they really like short stories because short stories can seem like the kinds of things where nothing happens. And there certainly are those collections in the world where it's like a short story collection that's just all about language and little vignettes of things. But like things go down in Get in Trouble. It's so great. Um, so it's out in paperback now and you should read it. And those are our new books this week. So what are you going to read now? Oh, finally, a question I know the answer to. <laughs> it is called Screaming Jay Hawkins All-Time Greatest Hits by Mark Benelli. I am super excited for this book, mostly because I'm completely fascinated with Screaming Jay Hawkins. If you don't know who he was, he was a musician. Basically a one-hit wonder. He sang a song called I Put a Spell on You. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which you might know, or young whippersnappers might recognize that as the awesome Marilyn Manson cover. They did a smoking job with that. Um, and he basically toured... And and played shows based on the strength of that one song. Like, that one song was so awesome. And also, his stage show was so bizarre. Like, he, he performed in a coffin. He got carried around in a coffin. Um, he, he put on such a spectacle. And also, this is what I was, like, I'm so fascinated by. Um, I read an article about him. He died in 2000, and I read an article shortly after he died. There was a website at the time called Jay's Kids because he fathered so many illegitimate children on his tours that like they had to set up a website to find them all. Oh and my you could God. go to this website and be like, yeah, I think he might have, you know, met my mom at one time and like get in touch with people. And so far the website is no longer up, but he's had, they've claimed at least 75. He has at least 75 Whoa. children out there in the country. Like, isn't that insane? That's why like, that man had a good time. Like, <laughs> I can't wait to read about this book, about him in this book because like he was he was living large really <laughs> I don't even know so. what to say about that I guess good for him Yeah uh, I don't know what I'm going to read I have my iPad loaded up with galleys for new books for next week's show but I think that I might cave to my just taste for Emma Straub and read Modern Lovers, which is her yeah, new novel yeah. that comes out later this spring um and I just don't think that I can wait that long and it seems like the right kind of thing to read on a flight or on a trip to LA where I'll be next week. So I don't know, maybe I'll get back on track and read some books for next week, but I'm probably going to read Emma Straub instead. It's all like you're working. So treat it like a vacation. Really. I should. Yeah. You know, you know just, I got lots yeah. of airport time. So bonus reading time for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so that does it for our show. Thank you for tolerating my less than awesome sound from live from Kansas city this week. Thank you also to our sponsors, uh, Third Love. You go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your 30-day trial with your 24-7 t-shirt bra. And also going through that link lets them know that you came from all the books. So hopefully they will keep sponsoring the show, keep our lights on and our boobs lifted. And thank you also to Descent by Tim Johnston. It is out in paperback from Algonquin Books now. You can find it wherever books are sold and we'll have a link for you in the show notes. Uh, find us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I 
M-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is at Miss Liberty, or you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. And if you want to do us a solid, um, give us a rating or a review on iTunes so that other book lovers who are looking for new releases and a place to hang out and maybe some bra recommendations can find their way to us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can reach uh, uh, I can't see it. I need a nap. You can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. All right. I did it. Happy reading. Happy napping. Thank you. (laughs) Happy reading. (laughs) 